It's your Elon Musk. You gotta have a talk with your boy. Is it me? I think so. I hear Josh fine. Josh, I hear you hear Josh me fine? fine too. Yeah, I, I hear you fine. He hears me fine. Oh, now you're coming in clear on N- my end. Me? I am? Yeah. Am coming I in hot. on your end? Um, yeah. Yeah. They sound really good. How about you, Josh? Fine. Yeah, I don't... Was there a change? <laughs> there was a change in demeanor. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is an ongoing issue. It's one of those things, you know. Well, what was wrong with the camera? I don't like. I don't like the Apple camera. I don't like it. Not me. It doesn't reflect me. <laughs> it doesn't bring out the finer qualities of. Uh, well, let me change it. This one works fine, but I look sullen and downtrodden. I don't like that. Speaking of uh, uh, catching your good side, man, um, that that illustration that you have by your email now. Which one's that? Are you talking about Aaron or me? You. Oh, which one's um, that? Sean Dean. Yeah. So. What does it look like? It, it's kind of old timey, you know, and it's got like, it. I don't know. Um, it, so I, I only recognize it because I, I've seen in other people's house, like an old, old drawing that I guess must have been done in that style. Oh, yeah. Of like past chiefs oh i was like oh he got he got one of them done this guy's just named me chief chief of the email tribe (laughs) you mean oh okay uh there's like an illustration of you you mean uh on the facebook oh on the old facebook okay Okay, yeah that was like a tune me filter oh yeah you know cartoon me yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, they did a pretty good job. Well, AI, yeah. They being the AI. Well, okay. Gang. The, yeah. The algorithm that is AI. <laughs> well, the the picture does reflect, uh, accentuates the the demeanor and habit of the of the individual. <laughs> no, I don't know. The don't sullenness. Know. The sullenness. The downtroddenness. Aaron, we can't even hear you. If you're saying anything, you're not coming in. Can I, I'm going to ask you to unmute. Aaron, I'm going to ask you to unmute your mic. You're muted. Okay, let's try this. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 Shandine, say count to 10 for me in the Salishan language. Okay. Count to 10 for me in the Salishan language. Let's see if you still got it. See if you remember how no. far I can... No, 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 you count me. No, I want me. you to count, and then I'll try to count in the crow. Sure, I can't remember. You can remember at least one. In cool. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, what is it? What's number two? You said it. Say it again. Yeah, that's three. I, I can't remember three. Are the did I say three? Yeah. And then most. Uh, yeah. 
That's it? Well, you said at least you can remember one. Yeah, you did. Dude, it's not like I heard Salish every day. You're right. You did it. Okay. When I first got through that first five years, first yeah. three years, it was like, I bet, I swear to God, I because I, I didn't have the confines of like you guys learning your language. Oh, yeah. I bet I could have learned it. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't, there was no pressure for me. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. it's like, do what you want. You're not from here. <laughs> yeah. You kind of had to free for all. Yeah. yeah. And then I was around like Alec a lot and Johnny quite a bit. And oh, yeah. Even Joe Kaluuya and oh, yeah. Ushani and oh, yeah. Yeah. So but you heard it a lot. I heard it at the sweat more. I They never talked conversationally ever. I know. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I told it. you the only Salish, I told you this before, the only Salish conversation I ever heard in my life was in Harvest Foods. <laughs> I heard <laughs> Philip Paul and yeah. Octave Finley talking to each other in the bread aisle. Wow. That was it. And it wasn't long, they just, but you could tell it was casual, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very rare to hear that. Very mm -hmm. rare. Uh, at least Very even for me, I the, like the beginning conversation, they'd start talking, say a few yeah. things, ha ha they around. Kinda, they kind of stay going. Someone says something funny, they laugh, then they go into English. Yeah, exactly. That's the pattern. That's yeah. the pattern. The meat and the greets and the the politics stuff. The the quick joke. Yeah, everyone laughs and then yeah. right back to English. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Honest to God, dude, the most Salish. I've ever heard come out of one person's mouth all the time is Aspen Decker. Oh yeah. 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 Like just yeah. constant, you know, just really putting it out there, really mm -hmm. putting it out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's I'm supportive. Good. Yeah. What are you eating? Meatballs. <laughs> is, a, is that a Harden? Is that a cuisine known in Harden? A cuisine known in Costco. <laughs> it's like those Costco warm up ones. <laughs> yeah. I eat every I eat every podcast. <laughs> you do, you do. Yeah, yeah. with no with no shame. No Speaking shame of thirty nine, uh, this is uh, you guys are getting prolific. Is this number thirty nine? Did I read that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thirty nine. 39 ep 39th episode i mean some people are are really on it you know they're they're pumping out episodes every, and every week and i used to be really on that thinking okay we, every week we got to put something out put something out. do you Man. remember when we had that first conversation about like not pressuring ourselves to put out content yeah and just said we'll do it when we want to do it yeah something something comes up then you, I remember you said, well, we only have whatever, like 200 subscribers or something. Yeah. And I said, put them all in one room. That's a big deal if we we're talking to 200 people. It's a lot of people. That's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. If you like said, hey, we're going to have Sean, Dean, and Aaron are going to give a lecture tonight at the Mansfield <laughs> Library and 200 <laughs> people showed up, we'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah. That'd be strange. Yeah, it's like when somebody says, "Yeah, oh man, I ate about a, about a million pieces of cake." You're like, "Well, have you ever seen a million of anything?" No. Oh yeah. 
yeah, you've never are, seen one million of anything. The best is when you're growing up and you're a little reser and somebody gets into a fight. Then they're yeah. like, you, you got to fight. And he's like, yeah, man, we like fought for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 30 seconds yeah, if that if, if that. that yeah yeah 30 seconds tops yeah. so are we um uh, are we started yeah all right well we're on we're on I'll we've been on it keep down and keep choking those down man <laughs> um, let's see how many how many have you eaten so Thank far you. let's get a count a meatball count well, there's about seven of them bad boys in there. So you've eaten you've eaten seven. With seven no. remaining. No. No. She's all done. She's oh. all done. Oh, okay. So you've you ate seven meatballs. And those are modest size. They're not that's not like they're your, probably this big. That's about the size of a of a large hawk bell. Like the camera <laughs> blurred that out just it then. did, like, yeah. The camera blurred that. You can't show that on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. As a, a large inch, inch and a half hawk bell. Do your best, Father Conley. <laughs> Josh, do you know who Father Conley is? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. All right. All right. I, well, that ruined. Uh, that got <laughs> us off of meatballs. <laughs> Uh, oh, wait, no. What? Who? Who's the one from Coeur d'Alene? Yeah, that's Bobby Conley. Conley, right? Okay, yeah, so Conley. yeah. You so when it. I first moved to Flathead, are we going to play Flathead. name that priest right now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> name kind of. priest. <laughs> when I when I first moved to Flathead, like way back a hundred years ago, <laughs> there were still quite a few of them. Um, there was I don't know, maybe about two hundred Salish speakers, maybe a little more. What do you think? No. You don't think I don't so? Think so. Hundred? Wait, what 50? year? You're talking 20 years ago? Yeah, 2001. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. The only reason that number stuck in my head because Nkusum was just getting going. Yeah. They they kind of had the numbers, and I vaguely remember hearing that number. Yeah. But hmm. They could that could have been a five-year-old number too when they're saying it to me, but right. Um anyway. Oh yeah. Anyway. Johnny so Johnny was still the man then. In fact, I would say he was even more of the man at Flathead than, right. than now, you know. Right. Um, but uh every time there was a big to do in our in, in on on the Flathead, so mainly at Arlie and yeah, there was always two dudes that showed up and they were like respected people. One of them is Francis Kaluuya. He showed huh. up and then um Father Conley from Coeur d'Alene, man, dude, this guy could rip the Salish, man. Yeah, their la- their language, like he could just rip it. Yeah, he had the style too. He had a big reservation hat. You remember his reservation hat? Yeah, his all big, that like stuff. cane thing. Big old he'd, cane. Like, he'd dance like he'd get there. And oh yeah, man, dude, he'd get down, dude. <laughs> he'd get down, and then so one time I was working for the Catholic Church in our, in mission, and then uh, for the black robes. For the black robes, and then uh, Father <laughs> Father Drew really danced at Arlie, and then he te- he tell me he said, "Aaron, did you see me dancing? Didn't I just remind you of Father Conley?" Oh, <laughs> I was like, "No, oh, dude, set that, like, that bar." Conley set the bar. Yeah, I was no. like, "No, you did not remind me of Father Conley at all." No, 
you got some work on your uh, on your outfit there. I, I'm impressed that he learned their um, their language. Not not because it's hard to learn their language or whatever. It's because there's not a lot of speakers of it. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, where was he getting his content and his time, his reps? You know. Yeah. Man, it's impressive. It, it is. is real impressive. It is. So agreed. Yeah. Well, should we should we introduce our listeners to who's joining us today? Suppose. Um. So I gotta. I, I'll. So, Josh, I gotta admit something to you. Yeah. So, right Confession ahead. time. Wait. Yeah. Let's so, set the mood first. Got priests. We got confessions. <laughs> In the. <Yeah. laughs> I got. Okay. I gotta, okay. Go ahead. All right. We got gotta, the mood. Okay. I, the mood set. I gotta tell you something. So I have my wife's brother. Yeah. His, his name is Josh. Okay. Yeah. My sister's um, son. His name is Josh. And then. Um, um, the nephew, uh, who was actually our godson, been, that's crazy because I'm not even Catholic, but um, his name is Josh. Okay. So mm-hmm. we, we we came across a dilemma here when, when you came into uh, um, uh, around, came into my life. It was like, that's the fourth Josh. Whoa. So the brother-in-law got Josh. Okay. That's Josh. Yeah. The nephew got Joshua. Hmm. Yeah. The godson got JJ, Josh Jr. Hmm. Makes sense. And in Native people's all-knowing wisdom, the name we came up for you is White Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's funny. Is that my my so my cousin's last name is White. So whoa, 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 white, comma, Josh. So <laughs> this episode is is uh is gonna be titled The Saga of White Josh. All right, I like it. The white Josh <laughs> yeah. who comes to us uh from Arley, Montana, by way of Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, by by way of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and wow. um welcome to the show, uh, man. Sam Buffalo, when I met him and I told him who I was, he ever since called me Philly. <laughs> Philly. Philly we're, in Pen- we're in Pennsylvania. Hey, uh, no, Philly's uh, the, it's an, that's the mouse, right? The mouse. No, that's the city in Philadelphia. No, that's the Phil- mouse that comes to comes to America. They're that's an American Fievel. dream. That's Fievel. I know, but they called him Philly. <laughs> 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 there are no cats in America. And the streets are paved with is it cheese? Cheese. cheese. Yeah. Because there are which okay. turned out not to be true at all. No. <laughs> they were so wrong. <laughs> so they were wrong. wrong. They were wrong. Yeah. Whoever told them that, yeah. Anyway, Josh. Okay. Josh so is Josh. from Scranton or where? where about? Scranton. No, Scranton. no, I'm from outside of Philadelphia, a place called Valley Forge. Ooh. Whoa. 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 Yeah. Colonizer. <laughs> yeah. 
it's actually worse than that. So the area is uh, actually the town right next to Valley Forge is, is Wayne, Pennsylvania, Wayne. named after General Mad Anthony Wayne, famous Ooh. for committing Indian massacres. Oh, boy. The, the high school I went to is Conestoga High School. Oh, Conestoga Wagon. In that Conestoga no, wagon. Uh, uh, Conestoga actually is an Iroquoian <laughs> word. What? For a group of people that were Iroquois that lived in that area and were wiped out by Presbyterian yahoos with guns in like Wait the 1780s. There's an account of it in a, a religious um, like historical pamphlet, like a, a church chronicle. Oh, um so yeah i mean uh the Josh, uh, Josh, the genocidal stop, maniacs you... from back <laughs> east run deep, man it's rough i you gotta <laughs> stop. Stop. okay let's go back because right. this could take up our whole this whole conversation okay because <laughs> that was a lot that was a lot to consume man conestoga conestoga yeah. wagon that's he said that's an Iroquois word. Which yeah. one? Conestoga or wagon? Conestoga. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Interesting. Um yeah, quite the history in the, in those uh those parts. We we chatted with a gentleman from the southeast and we kind of got our minds blown. Oh, Remember that? Yeah, what, what was his name? Um uh I can't think of it. Conestoga wagon. <laughs> Conestoga wagon. He's the vampire. The vampire. Oh, his name. <laughs> the vampire. Why can't I think of his name off the top of my god? That was a good podcast. That was a good one. Um, underrated. I, I don't know why I can't think of his name. Anyway, yeah. Um yeah, we had a a, a brief chat about some experiences in those parts. Mm. That was quite um, eye-opening. It was, yeah, because of the um, the the history. The history in that area went back way, way back in time. I think what was it saying the Victorian or the Elizabethan age? I can't remember. And I can't remember. I'm gonna have to. I'm oh, gonna... Ryan, Ryan Emmanuel, Ryan Emmanuel, oh, Ryan. We should have him I'm back. Sorry. We, we're gonna episode thirty. Yeah, mind blowing, you know. And so right now you're you're dropping some knowledge on us about all these uh, atrocities, etc. And that you know, it's that's, you know that's what that's what we're about here. We're about atrocity. <laughs> it gets us the stars. It gets us the stars, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> um... No, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about that. But that's you don't have to say anything. I, I'm sorry. I, you you guys <laughs> took my brain there. Um, yeah, and I know Aaron and Sean Dean because we used to work at SKC together. Um, right. Is really what people probably wanted to know. No, they don't want to know that. They don't want oh, to know that. They don't want to know that. They're not I gotta, interested. I got to do a uh, podcast. There you go. Oh, you're going to cleanse the cleanse. <laughs> got to cleanse the mic. Cleanse your mic off. Yeah. That went deep, quick. Remember we were watching, we actually were on a Zoom or something. Wasn't someone trying to smudge? 
like smudged the. <laughs> yeah, Remember? that was a yeah, that was a thing for a while. It was for... like a real thing, like yeah, I'm like that's not. I'm like that's not how it does works. It doesn't work like that. It's Mm-mm. you need it's... the smoke. You I hate need... to tell people, like you know, there's a big push in like Indian country to be like your feelings. Yeah, it's like well, that's how that's my truth. <laughs> nah, it don't work that way sometimes, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I listened to this pretty. It's a pretty good podcast. A guy from down in Australia, and he 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 talks the same way that we talked about that whole thing. He even talks about this these talking circles. Yeah, they got these talking circles, and they pass like a stick or a talisman around, and everybody gets a chance to say how they feel. He said, "Well, maybe some people don't deserve to be." To talk about how they feel, because <laughs> you know? they, they, they he says they blab blabber on for hours and hours about how they feel. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> he had a better way to say it, but anyway, yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. We're getting off topic here. Okay, Pennsylvania. Um, what is the topic? Is there a topic? Yeah, there's never you're, a topic. You're the topic. You're oh, the topic. No. You are the topic. No, that can't be right. It is. It's true. You've already dropped some knowledge on us about your your upbringing, which included a lot of Indian killing, apparently. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Not oh. by you. Not by oh, you, of course. Smokes, man. In the past. In the past. From the area in which you live. And that well, this is this is what's this is what's interesting about that is um we've got plenty of um native perspective on many uh, many number of things. But we don't necessarily um, have the other voice, I, I suppose you could say. So, for example, we last episode we talked about a, a, a singing group. There, I assume were non-native, or maybe somewhere had some native heritage. I'm not sure, but they were good. You know, they they sounded really nice. You know, and they had the they had the the sound that you would hear from, a, I guess, authentic singing group i suppose you could say and they that, weren't they weren't ran off you ran know what off? i mean that, that no one oh. ran them off oh yeah like, they 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 at the end of the day it's like if you do it right people yeah. will accept it if you're non-native and you come into native country yeah so like when calling mountain like come out the gate I mean, they sounded like they they knew they learned the right way. They yeah. didn't like, and I don't know their history, so I don't know if they did learn from like videos or like hobbyist communities. But yeah, they but didn't even sound that way, they didn't yeah, sound he, that way. They sounded good. Yeah, I think even even in that way, you can you can get to a certain level. Yeah, but if your intent is right, then you then you in a way you sort of transform to the next level. You start showing up. So let's think of it this way. How many how many um white drum groups have you ever heard? Myself? Yeah. Um, um I'm trying to think um maybe maybe a couple. Four? Yeah. I mean yeah. Okay. Four or less four. at least. Yeah, even three. So of the three three drum groups, how many were singing correctly? Oh, yeah. Just the one. Just the one we're talking about. 
Okay, so yeah. how many native drum groups have you seen? Oh, God, you can't even count. Yeah, no, a lot. Yeah, a lot. How Hundred. many of that thousand were singing correctly? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe about three quarters. Okay, so... Or just maybe a little higher, the, two thirds. Just by our rudimentary <laughs> mathematics, white folk are even doing that better than us. Via simple arithmetic, <laughs> a ratio... atrocity just just happened. <laughs> Another atrocity <laughs> dropped. Oh god, it yeah. happens. It happens. I know it happens, and you know you you can't you can't fault them. You know, it's just a. It's, them. <laughs> them. You can't fault them, folks. You can't fault them. <laughs> it's just a product. It's a product of something. Of um yeah. yeah. And you got and and it's well, it's compounded by a couple things. Number one, nobody has the energy to help to correct, and or there's a resistance to accept being corrected. Mm. and that's yeah. an important one right there that's yeah, really important and i think if someone was well i don't know i don't want to make a sweeping statement about someone's we're all up. about sweeping statements we can we can make a sweeping statement yeah you know it's with anything if you're if you if you're authentic and you really want to do something and you're trying hard and you get corrected you don't just run off you don't get you don't build up a wall and um try to resist try to think you're more right or correct because you've seen it on a youtube or i don't know whatever instance i, I do I you, think aaron wrong. might do that but but normal people <laughs> no no those <laughs> those who try you know they'll accept the criticism and they'll try to change what they're doing that's just but that's that's with anybody in any any line of anything that's going to happen. So anyway, what are we doing? What are you talking about? What do you What do you want, Josh? What do you want? <laughs> what are you here for? So you called us. You, no, yeah, it's like when somebody called. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want, man? What do you want? You called. Actually, we called Josh. We called Josh him. Was, Josh was being like fine, just chilling, watching his his uh uh. His liberal documentaries. <laughs> That's right. Doctrinating. So, yeah. so this summer, I had went and kind of looked on, on on a certain ceremonial life way that I I won't mention what it is. Yes, yeah. because uh, yeah, yeah. But then I noticed there was a large participation of non-Indian people there. Okay, which I'm not inherently against. Okay. But something clicked on me, clicked, the light bulb went off. At this particular belief way, yeah. the construction of, of the lodge, there's a belief in that too. So it's not just what happens there. It's what during the construction, the belief is that you could, as a family, you could say, I want you to come to my property to get these parts for for the lodge and then good fortune would happen to you right yeah but then i noticed there's other ways too to pledge like uh, my nephew could say i'm gonna go and help build the lodge today maybe something good will come to me mm. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the, it's this belief, this ripple effect. Yeah. But then when I got there, I noticed that the, everything was being done by these non-Indian people, hmm. right? white folk, as hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. Which at first, my instinct wasn't to be like, get mad. In fact, it was like opposite. I was like, look at all these Indians got these slaves, you know. <laughs> but then... <laughs> I I realized I th- I thought about those other beliefs those beliefs that come with it and I thought wait a second by them yeah. being here for whatever reason they're here yeah. in a way it, it's it 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 um hinders the part- participation of the community not meaning that they can't com- uh, uh participate deal it's just that I think something happens it slows it up so then that that night on my way home from it, I text White Josh, man. Yeah, and, okay, yeah. like, and then I think I called you, right? Yeah. And so the reason being, and this is this is where you're gonna just take off with it, is Josh has spent some time in Indian country now, has has actually looked on on some ceremonies. He he's done his best to learn the language mm. he's um he's never shied away from participating in in native stuff but what i feel like is josh has done a pretty decent thing a uh, uh, approach where he doesn't overbear he's not overbearing like okay. he's not trying to talk like a, like he doesn't change his voice to be like <laughs> you know and <laughs> stuff like that like like he's just, he's just josh he's being josh but yeah. after talking to josh he said there was some kind of learning lessons in that so what we thought our listeners would benefit from because i doubt all 75 of our listeners are all indians um, 200 or 200 200 <laughs> i don't know exactly indians. yeah so um we thought man they might maybe maybe they want to hear from from Josh. Yeah. From White Josh. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's my introduction. That's, okay. It's a good one. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel so, like, yeah. I feel like you prefaced well, that well. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Sean Dean. Splendid. You. Splendid. Now you sound like you're from what is it? Conestoga Wagon. <laughs> the Conestoga Wagon. I heard they got a coffee shop built out of a Conestoga wagon. Conestoga <laughs> wagon. Hey, come on over. Come on over uh, to my Conestoga wagon. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, um, thanks for that gracious introduction. And, um, yeah, you know, part of it is being uh, – um, you know, a, a little bit of knowledge is very dangerous. Uh, that kind of perspective. See, coming see. out of the gate, strong Sizzle. statement. Sizzle. Strong statement. Sizzle. Go. That's like well, the that, hair crimper. Go. Yeah. That uh, That's basically been my approach uh, in, like, keeping myself guarded from, um, I guess, or, or I guess what I'm saying is maintaining a, a light footprint um, when it comes to uh, showing up at, a, at, at doings uh, yeah. or, or um, where maybe, maybe there's a, a line where um, 
my approach has to be uh, especially respectful. And so um, I, I was going to say before coming out, uh, so I, I should also say that I got really um, motivated to um, uh, work alongside Indian people and like, you know, uh, get to know culture more and, and be really, um, really passionate and interested about it during Standing Rock because a lot of the problems that I was dealing with in communities where I was working and living as a reporter for a newspaper were really predictable problems that it seemed like if we're honest at all, um, you know, native culture has solutions for. And uh, so I was just kind of, exhausted by the predictability of a lot of problems and um wanting to wanting to learn right mm. how to how to get past them yeah um w- one book that i read was this book called wolf that i am by fred taggart mctaggart mm. um about a white guy who visits sack and fox uh reservation and asks about stories um mm. it's, it's a good book for anybody who's like um, a non-Indian person interested in culture and trying to figure out like how to plug in and, and connect in a way that um, people can recognize and make sense of. Mm. Um, but uh, those things, those things are all kind of training wheels stuff compared to actually being with people. Um, so yeah, um, shoot, like, uh, I'm not sure what more to add or what direction you want me to take this because I feel like there's so many, um, but, right. uh, right. Well, know. I think the, the, um, one of the interesting phenomenons or, um, one of the interesting things that we encounter just as a, as a, a human species is when we interact with something that we don't quite understand or something that we don't we're unfamiliar with we get a, a level of anxiety or un- uncomfortableness about that and naturally we want to we want to we want to ease that anxiety or that uh, uncomfortableness in some way and one one way is just to head out and just get away from it or the other ways is, is to become try to learn more about it but right. i think one of the interesting things about that that statement learn more about it is that there's there's more things that should come after that like you don't go up to someone and and say hey i want to i want to learn more about you no it, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't ring well no. Even saying I want to learn more about your customs, that doesn't ring well either. Or I want to learn more about your songs. Anything that you put after that, it's not going to ring well. It, it it seems to be. And I had a discussion about this today, as a matter of fact, about um really what what is the what is the purpose of developing a social connection with someone or or a group of people. And if 
And if that idea of making that connection is for some motive that's, um, I guess, in, in certain cases, employment-related or research-related, like some, some task from some place that pays you that, that doesn't ring well to anybody, yeah. any cultural group, I don't know. May, I, I, it just seems that way. I don't know if that's t- completely true because some people might embrace it. Okay, so I guess like responding to what you're saying, like intent really matters. Yeah, you know, it does and I think there's lots of different forms of approach in that. Um, but you're right. Like some of the some of the ones to be wary of are if you're trying to tick a box, you know. You need a, a token Indian to do something because you had to tick the box. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's <sighs> so. Yeah. Just working at the college, we run into that all the time, all the time. Right. It's a weekly event. Right. Um. The other one I would say on the non-Indian side more is like doing it because it's cool doing it because it's exotic to you doing it because it's doing it because um it's like it's not just different but it's like mysterious or whatever that is yeah what is that what is the motivation like if someone wants to be native man go go live in the dumps man go live in the dumps for a while and you know take on some some people who are addicted and and care for them for a number of years, then then you can call yourself native. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. that's oh, the reality. God. Yeah, I mean well, that's not all of it, but you know, I mean it's a big part of it, though. It's like a big the part struggle, of it. the struggle, and and when Josh, when I lived in Arley, and Josh would come over and we'd sweat, and we had a lot of these basically like podcast conversations, man, right. Like, some pretty cool conversations but um one of the things that i i i think too though i know intent is a big part of it josh maybe you can shed some light on this is like but do you think there's just some things doesn't matter how what your intent is and how righteous it is that you just shouldn't be a part of Mm. you think that's that's the case there's Mm. a case of that i think yeah that's something that um uh you can develop a sixth sense for um mm. and and what i mean by that is not this is not what i'm saying is not a superstitious or religious sensibility at all what mm. i'm saying is when you are so you don't uh, you don't employ your third eye to see yeah <laughs> i'm not talking about that don't rub your crystal to figure out where you don't belong <laughs> well, I mean, if you have to, that's one of those things. Like, if you have to rub a crystal, uh, maybe you're onto something, and it's that you should be there, right? Um, but it's like, can you, if Imagine imagine an entire group of people turning and asking you what the hell you're doing there. If you can't take on the room, yeah, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know what? Yeah. Any one of them is the room. Right. That's 
so these these um um real sensitive times and places they're about connection and they're about people coming together yeah and one of the insights that i had as a visitor and as a non-indian person is that there are times when i can fit into that and there are times when i'm interrupting it and as somebody yeah. who respects indian culture a lot and realizes how rare some of these gatherings are and yeah. how important they are in terms of the, like the year and getting stuff done for family groups and like yeah. you know doing it the right way doing it in a good way you don't want to do it in a bad way you don't want to be the thing that stinks <laughs> and i've stinked up some stuff stinkville <laughs> what, did, what did you say about stinkville that time something smells good in stinkville <laughs> <laughs> so you stank up some stuff stank um yeah, yeah. yeah okay this reminds me of something and I think I talked about it on a previous episode. I can't remember, but I was in a part of a situation where that kind of happened. Someone was outed, mm. you know, like, why are you here? And it was a bit uncomfortable for everybody. But the, the guy who's, I mean, I guess he had every right to say that. And um, I don't think he was really necessarily trying to be rude, but he just his demeanor was like that. And he just had to call it out, I guess, the way he's seen it. And the response was it was really a, I had to really think about it for a second because it kind of I never heard that kind of response. So this person was non-native. He said, "Well, you know, I'm here just to support support indigenous people because my people signed the treaty, so I'm trying to uphold my end of it." And I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that, what? I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, like what? The, okay, <laughs> that's kind of cool, you know, because it. We always yeah. think of treaty as this Indian thing, but there's a whole nother party that signed that. And yeah, they have they have they have that obligation as well to to those things in that treaty. And I, I thought yeah, that was kind I of I guess you're new- right. Like Indian people decide no to treaties. We do think of treaties as almost one way, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And mm. and if if I think if other non-natives and um you know, took that to a treaty signing to mean that, yeah, so there's two parties here. We have a certain obligation because our forefathers signed that treaty as well, just like your forefathers signed it. And so we should also uphold that word that they made that long ago. So that's kind of that's kind of um, um, an admiral way to put it, I thought, that that person just said, well, I signed, my folks signed this treaty years ago, and I'm just trying to uphold my end of it. Pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. And in my book, he, he, you know, he had the explanation ready for the room, right? Yeah. He might've gone ahead and, and acquiesced and said, uh, he, I'm or she. Go. he know, or she, right. she, <laughs> he or she, <laughs> they, anyway, but, go ahead. yeah, I'm um, sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> that's all right. I, I think I made my point, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I like that. I like that. Have yeah. the response ready. Like if you're not ready to take on the room, like I never even thought of that. See, this is this is this is why you're here, White Josh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God dang. God God dang it. <laughs> you know the next we, we gotta have a uh, Craig Cameron on. 
<laughs> my buddy Craig. Yeah, we should have him on. No. Gold, gold, dang. Gold, dang. That'd be a funny one. Anyway, you know, I, anyway. so yeah. So that's what it reminds me of that instance. Uh, I think you're right. Um, <clears throat> I think all, all, um, all people, if they're have the right intention and, uh, I, I think they can contribute to any number of things. I think, I think today, even today, we all know that one non-Indian person that helps out in a certain way has knowledge of, of things in a certain way and they don't use it in, in, in as a manner to, to, to lift themselves up above the cause of, of a tribalhood or whatever you might call it. They just want to be a part of, part of the helping. Like Aaron said earlier, part of, I'm, I want to do this because I want to, you know, they, they understand it. They understand it. I want to do this because I want to get some, some good luck for myself and my family. They're not doing it to write a book. They're not doing it to, to show off or to be known you know, to to have some street cred when they go down to the IGA, you know, drop a name of a council person, and I don't know. There's all yeah. kinds of odd and weird reasons people will do those kind of things in the wrong way. So, and and let's describe that more because you were talking also about like the hardship of being Indian and like you know if you want to be Indian, you know, often those people who are like that. Man, they've put in some time. Um, they've 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 come and come back, and they're they're making themselves known and available to more than just one person, or just you know like a favorite person. Um, and uh, I I think that they're aware of. Okay, this is like related to what you guys were saying, but like. Part of the parts of being Indian that aren't cool are really not cool. You really don't want to have to experience the uncoolness uh, in in order to like gain some credibility about who you are, right? Like, right. I do not want to have to be forced to you know be almost homeless live on commodities like you're saying have multiple generations of folks who are addicted to a drug or you know what i'm saying like all of these limitations are real things they're a part of that story right trying to give short shrift to that as though like you could join in and <laughs> join the that's club. a big mistake you know <laughs> no you don't want that pain you don't join want the club. You, you have no idea how uncool that is that is not cool right, right? and so um that's another big part of the respect is like realizing there's some serious costs that have come and they're borne by these folks. And that's 
if that's not you, you're just lucky. You're just lucky. Right. Oh. Yeah, and 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 I wouldn't want to totally mischaracterize the the life of a of a native person. That's part of it, you know, some of those things, but you yeah. know, there in other ways there's um there are uh, experiences that are are difficult, but they don't involve the the negative things. It's it's just the hardship of of a life that you that you you engage in ceremonially ceremonially mm. i mean the the i i don't know a whole lot about uh the, some of the things that happened down in aaron's territory but there's a lot there's a there's a there's a sacrifice you have to make just you know do it to for example someone running for a princess down there you know for their celebration they do that their their whole family is taking on this large and that and it wouldn't really say a burden in a way but it's this thing you have to do to complete that process and it's difficult monetarily it's difficult time-wise logistically all those things so aside from the dysfunction you know the 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 life of a native person is is also hard in, in another way but it's in a fulfilling and meaningful way which uh, which a lot of people i don't it's hard for them to do that it's just they don't get that. They see the flashy side of it, the end of it. They see the end of it where you, where you're doing something and you and you see, you see that product of all that work, but you don't see the work. And and I, I'm, I've seen a number of times where people, uh, young native people will will buy into that. They don't see the work that goes into something. They just see the end and they say, "I want to do that. I want to be that thing." But yeah. they don't see the work that goes into it, and it it turns them it turns them into something that they shouldn't be. They don't know how to do the work. So yeah, it's I mean, realistic. It's not realistic. <clears throat> it's not a realistic view of that community, you know, or that way that tribe does things. Because I <clears throat> I actually think I went through some of that at Flathead. Yeah. So when I first moved there, right away, man, like I made friends with the right person it seemed like but there, that wasn't my intent we just became buddies and shit I was right in there with these old folks and yeah. do cool stuff and being witnessing cool things meanwhile it took me a few years but then I realized like man from the outside looking in it probably looks kind of messed up like, like here's these Indian kids from there that they may not have the resources to or the know-how to jump in something like that. And they're just waiting yeah. for an invite. Yeah. And here's me taking up space, thinking it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, I live here. I should be participating in yeah. what they do. This is the respectful thing to do. Not realizing you're cheesing somebody, man. You and I, and I knew yeah. I was only and I should have I should have had enough wherewithal to say like. Hey, there's little kids here. Maybe you guys should ask one of them kids. I mean, there were some instances where like nobody was there. And I was and I was just with that this guy, and they were like, Yeah. Yeah. That made more that was just real informal and casual, but you know, certain things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it happens, but I think it happens with you know, it can happen with not non-Indians and Indians as well that idea of taking up space where you don't realize that you you should just chill. Mm-hmm.
Rack. Just a quick break here to thank some of our sponsors, especially Wild Gallery, W-Y-L-D dot G-A-L-L-E-R-Y, Wild Gallery. Thank you for supporting the show, and thank you to past sponsor, Louise Erdrich. Thank you both for your continued contributions and your past contributions to keep the show on the air. Thank you. I think it comes from an older belief of wanting to, when guests come, you share with them stuff, right? Yeah. But then I think we have to take that same belief and learn to share it with our own people. Don't assume everybody in your community knows yeah. this stuff or has are privy to it. I think yeah. Crow's a good example of of people who know things, but they're not privy to them. Like if you were to go and talk to a lot of crow people, they would know about things. They would know about a ceremony, what it's for, why they do it, when they do it, but they may have never even seen it before, never even been invited to one. Right. That's kind of a unique situation, but we know everyone knows a white guy who got to go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. What about him? (laughs) I didn't mean to give you such a verbal lashing. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. I know it wasn't just this white Josh you were talking about. (laughs) No, the universal white Josh out there. Everyone knows a white Josh. <laughs> Actually, got- I don't think everyone knows a white Josh. I think I know everyone knows a disruptive white guy, but I don't think there's a, there's a lot of white guys like you, Josh, who maybe feel like they were that at the beginning, but quickly realize like, hey, fuck, my presence alone can be. What did you say? You text me and said your uh, our white people's presence alone can be disruptive. I think I think that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so but that has to do with okay. That's not a. This is not a racial um, observation. This has to do when when you realize as a non-Indian person that a doings is about those people making connections in a deep deep way. If you're not totally sincere and ready in your heart to make those kinds of connections at the level and investment that they are or that the other people around you are let's not let's not make it us them let's let's just say we're we're in this thing right if you feel that as you're in it it's taking you places that you're not prepared to go that's one that's one level but then the next level is am I affecting other people getting there? And that's not cool. That's rude. Right. Agreed. It's like cutting in front, cutting in front of the line. Yeah. But you're not really aware that there's a a particular order of things. I went to home Depot the other day. Yeah. And, um, um, we're looking for some spray paint. So we're walking by the, the paint counter, you know, and there's all these people lined up and we're not, well, we're not ready to get canned paint, you know? And, um, there's a number of people kind of milling about. They're not really standing in a line, you know, they're just kind of massed around a counter. Mm. And the guy is, um, that mixes the paint, you know, he puts it in there and puts in a little shake or whatever. He finishes one job and he, 
he comes around the counter and he says, who's next? Be honest. Be honest. Come on, please. <laughs> and all these people are standing around because, they, I, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of dropped into the situation, but apparently he must have thought something was up. Some line cutters. I don't know. I don't know. Ooh. Huh. Yeah. Some cheesers. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of those folks, you know, they just cut right in. I've yeah. done it. I've done it in my youth. I've done it. You've done it? Like, yeah. Still do it. <laughs> well, okay, so this is another part of it is you got to be willing to make mistakes. Uh, you be willing you to take risks, mistakes, too. You don't learn. Yeah. Line cutters take risks. Yeah. The social you gotta, risk. You got to take a risk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not advocating for that in this instance. I'm just saying if you want paint, <laughs> if you want a can of paint <laughs> sooner than your neighbor, you might take a little risk and edge in there. No, I, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I can see it. I can see some of the 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 hardships and some of the challenges with our non-native they call, they call them allies you call them allies yeah call them ally that what you call them aaron i, I said this white folk, dude. <laughs> yeah so i was gonna get out of you because i said that one to me and you said no we call them my folk double <laughs> agents double agent <laughs> um white folk, dude what's wrong with being white folk like, i know it's cool, I don't know. It's cool. Cool. One time I went to a tribal consultation and this guy said after the meeting or during the meeting towards the end, he kind of got frustrated and he was, he said, um, well, we just don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't, he was like frustrated. He was like, we yeah. don't know all the protocols. We just don't yeah. know. We get, and it's hard. And he was like, man, you could tell he was like really frustrating. Yeah frustrated and then there was these other tribal people that were kind of like well you know we appreciate your good heart and all that horseshit <laughs> and i just said it's not the job of it's not the job of a tipple to teach you what your mom should have taught you right yeah just be cool man be just cool. be cool right that's all it comes down to man there if you're cool tribal people will tell you where not to be where to be all that yeah. They would. Yeah. Like, yeah. We want to be respectful. All that. Well, fuck. We're not aliens, man. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like take me to your leader. Like, come on, dude. Just be cool. Just be. <laughs> we're, what what I think white people fail to remember is that we deal with white people every day. So we. Of I know. I, to remember that. I, I know how to talk to white folk. Okay. Yeah. So just be cool. We're gonna make it work, man. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Just be cool, man. <laughs> just sit there and be cool. Yeah, just like I don't go to other communities. Like I used to work with like a lot of Muslims and stuff when I was at the university, mm. and um, I never pretend to know anything or anything. I just I had a, I had enough sense to know where there was like cultural boundaries and stuff. So I'd be yeah. like, "Are you cool with that?" And then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," or "No, no." Hey, yeah. They told me because I was being cool, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't, and then all I did was log yeah. it every time they said don't. I logged it, and pretty soon I was able to kind yeah. of navigate through their stuff. It was just, yeah, yeah, that, and that works. Um, so 
going deeper into the intent issue and like realizing what's going on now. I think that part of the difficulty is, man, uh, on top of white people maybe feeling frustrated about protocols or whatever. Um, I think spiritually white culture is in a very weird place where a lot of the rituals that worked in the past three to 500 years, let's say in European Christianity or religious life, they're kind of wearing off. Mm. And uh, I remember speaking about this briefly with Aaron when he called me before, but you know, it kind of speaks volumes when the Aspen Institute at their gathering of billionaires in Colorado have a shaman on the agenda. <laughs> there's something weird going on. So culturally speaking, there's some like, so there's some sort of turn uh, going on that has to do, I think also with the environmental crisis where white people are sort of looking in the direction of Indian people in a very weird way, in a very, uh, in a way that might, might be uh disruptive mm. uh, kind of like a, a pure intent um and or, or also may you know bring about some common ground um depending on how you're able to talk about it mm. but it's a it's an odd thing um yeah this is the thing that i this is the thing that i was um having another conversation about um, and I didn't, I didn't really dawn on me. So my, my, um, my, my world is, um, you know, far different from some of my colleagues I work with here, uh, at this university. And, um, so my life is filled with all of these things that I don't really let them in on or, because it doesn't come up in conversation, but we're talking about singing because yeah. one of my, my colleagues, one of my friends is he joined a, a show choir I just had an interest and just never sang before. And he said, you know, the, the, the typical Anglo, we don't sing anymore. Singing is not part of a lot of things that we do. And I said, well, yeah, I guess so. And it, it is, what about church? And he says, well, it's, it's usually they have a choir, you know, and maybe if you're invited, you can sing, but it's, it's mainly performative. It's not really for some sort of purpose. He said, so that's, he said, so in our, this is the way he was singing. So, so in our cultural pursuits, there's not a lot of singing that is involved in anything. And that's almost the complete opposite of kind of the, the life of a lot of native people. Singing is, is a very, very important part of a lot of things. Some of it's performative powwows, you know, some would argue it's, pretty performative but some of the songs are you know come from certain places that are not the reason is not for performance per se like a like non-native you know you go into a great hall and you stand in a uh whatever whatever the american the, idol yeah 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 it's not it's not for that it's right. something else so yeah i thought that was kind of neat uh, uh a neat insight on looking into a world that's not of my own. I was like, okay, yes, yeah, I see that. I see this void of singing. Sure, people enjoy hearing songs, 
but there's and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's not a spiritual or religious connection to singing anymore. I might be completely wrong. But what are your thoughts on that? What I mean, you've you've right. You you come from Scranton. There, there might have been at Scranton. one time. Yeah, there used to be. Um, and I also think that 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 has a particular you know cultural power and force to it. Um, coming together and singing songs. Right. And actually there's some there's some um non-Indian like cultures in America that were based on that. That's what that's what the Shaker religion is based on. It's really? a it's a translation of a of a Indian longhouse singing culture oh. that got brought into a, a Christian faith community and they, really? they sing those those shape shape tone. I forget what it's a very distinctive kind of singing. Hmm. Um, yeah, like shape tone or shape notes. Shape notes. Shape yeah. Notes. Shape note singing is like uh, kind of a form of like Baptist. Oh. Yeah. Kind of a, a real conservative form of like Baptist missionaries. And then they'd make like weird motions when they sing. Oh. Shape note singing. It's real like kind of got a weird tone to it. It's really? yeah, it's kind of eerie and powerful. Yeah, but, eerie, um, eerie. It is pretty cool actually if you listen to shape notes singing. Hmm. I'll have to listen to it. I never. Anyway, um, okay, yeah. This is the kind of stuff where it's like, okay, the last hundred years, especially maybe even before then, but let's take the last hundred years. The ways that European societies and colonial societies that are in power have become more and more invested in technology and in individual effort. I mean, these things are tearing down whatever the, the, the purpose of a choir is, right? Hmm. It's been totally eclipsed by these other pursuits. And those pursuits are really pretty um, mechanistic and cold, and and you know they, they sure are powerful right now, um, and they sure have uh, made an incredible historic difference. Mm. But gosh, like, are they are they helpful to the human scene and the human community getting together and recognizing some basic common stuff that is kind of magic? Uh, I, I think we, we lose that, right? Like the, the magic that we're engaged in right now is this magic of like zoom and, and being thousands of miles apart from one another and having a conversation, which is cool. It's something, it's not nothing, right? It's right. new. It sort of divides the world into two groups, the people who can do this and afford this and people who can't, hmm. that, and that is a power, but like, at the expense of actually being together, breathing the same air in and out, carrying a tune, you know, that that's a lot older, powerful thing. Um, that's a lot more, I don't know, people talk about holistic or integrated or whatever, but Circular. the point being that it invites a lot of people. A lot of people can join in right. um, way, way more than, than can join this, right? So I think you're right. And, and it, this is part of the, this is part of like the, um, the poverty of, of the spirit that white people go through when they show up on Indian reservations asking like, mm. Hey, how do you, 
you do. Um, so it's a it's a weird <laughs> that's kind of a catchy, poverty. Yeah, that's a catchy phrase, man. It's 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 weird. Spirit. It's weird. It's stupid. You know, you feel sort of illiterate. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, I don't know what is the word. It's not. It's not a moral bankruptcy. It's just like. It's just like I. I, I didn't get this. Like you we were saying before. Like it's not your pro. It's not your problem. What my mom didn't teach me. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if my mom can't teach it to me, where do I go? I get that you don't want to teach me, but I don't have a whole lot of options here. What am I going to do? Go, um, like pretend that I'm uh, fasting and and pretend that I'm having a vision quest and hope that that happens. I'm not so sure. So it's very easy. I think for, um, because white people have been kind of detached from this stuff to get very, uh, you can get, you can, you can, uh, you can fool yourself. You can be very, uh, deluded. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, I think, uh, I, you know, I can't disagree with you on all that. And I think. I, well, I, think, I wouldn't even know, to be honest, because I, I, I don't. Yeah. We don't know that. Honestly, I don't know that perspective. Yeah. So, like, yeah. when it comes to native things, right? Obviously, we're in a little more privileged position where we got front row seats. And yeah. So, it's a good reminder, though, to like, to hear that we don't have that like when you're talking about what did you say um culturally bankrupt isn't that what you texted me i think you said culturally bankrupt or spiritual spiritual poverty spiritual yeah spiritual there's a spiritual poverty yeah yeah Yeah. we sit in a pretty privileged position that not only do we have a belief system we have options within the belief system even and then for those options we have fell safes and we're very fortunate. We're very fortunate to have that and to have it come from the environment in which we live in. Yeah. That this that this belief system system was not born somewhere else. Oh right, yeah. That it's from here. So so you have you ha- not only do you have the fell safes and the safety nets and 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 then the uh, avenue the wet the tools to spiritually succeed you actually have physical landmarks reminding you of those things. Right. That, fuck, that's powerful, man. That is. That's powerful. And and I think sometimes we take for granted that we have that. And we yeah. we we um do our best to seek it elsewhere, even unknowingly. Yeah. Unknowingly. What is that? I don't know, man. That is like, weird. You're right. No, but this so this is what I was thinking when Josh was saying this was it sounds very much like some indigenous people, some native people. They're 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 at the same place that some well-intending non-natives are at because they never had opportunity, and you know they weren't they weren't taught by their mom or dad certain things, and they're excluded in, in a certain manner because of. Go, go ahead, Josh. I see you're trying to say. Okay, something. so a related, let her rip. Uh... Huh? Yeah, a related thing that goes on is the, I, and I think this is unhelpful. Um, you know, the the discussion around uh, around um, 
uh, intergenerational trauma sometimes is also it tiptoes next to the idea that that culture and genetics should somehow go hand in hand. I think that that mean? is what do you mean? Uh, like like if if uh, I have Indian blood in me, then I know oh. something. Oh right 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 right. Yeah, you're, like, good, you're a good tracker. You can track. Yeah, track deer like no one related else. To this. No one else business. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying there's nothing to that. I'm just saying that um, the uh, I think the more reasonable approach is that cultural transmission is it involves your whole life, right? Right. 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 It's not just one part of you. It's not just your blood. It's not just where you're at. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. so you got to take on the whole thing, and. Yeah, I just wanted to say that in relation to what what goes on there, because yeah, people yeah. get cast, you know, in a certain a certain role. Yeah, like yeah, he's from here, but he doesn't know anything. Or yeah, he knows a lot, but he's white. Yeah, that's a strange that, thing. That goes on. That is a strange thing. And then there's also people who they're they're from there. They they were raised in this way, but they abandoned it for something else. Yeah, there's that too. Which is a strange phenomenon in itself. I, I think in that case too, you run into where um, um, Indian women who are raised traditionally to believe and participate, then their spouse doesn't do that. Oh yeah, so they 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 take on the beliefs of their spouse and yeah. they grow old, and then maybe like. I've witnessed this where like the husband died and then the wife who's an old lady reverts back to everything she used mm. to do. So then people like in their fifties and sixties will say, why is that lady? Like she doesn't know anything. And it's mm. like, well, actually she does. It's, she basically like press pause, you know? Right. And I actually think this is a, my theory that was more common at Flathead than any other reservation I've been to. Really? Yeah. Tell me why. It seemed well. It just seemed like it's the observation in the in the twenties and thirties. There was like a real big influx of like oh, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, not just like but like intermarriage, like from other oh, yeah. from white people, but yeah. from other tribes too. And yeah, so, no, that's true. Yeah. So that in 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 the fifties, when all them people were older in sixties, they were coming back, and then people were like. These are just old Catholics, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. seemed like you looked at, if you look at some of that, it's there. Like it's real common that intermarriage because yeah. there was so much intermarriage at Flathead just by numbers alone that yeah. you would have to think that, right? Yeah. yeah. And then what people don't realize is the, the little shell Indians and, and some Cree people like kind of flooded the Southern half of the res there. And then you had people like, from the Blackfeet coming and mm. living there. But the best example that I know of is Ushani Ken Kenmil. Right. Who someone who was raised Salish, spoke the language, very traditional person, yeah. then married a Kootenai and yeah. essentially became Kootenai. Right. And then after her husband had passed away, she seemed to revert back to a lot of the Salish stuff and that community being right. more active in that community. Again. Am I right or am I wrong? 
No, I think that's a good example of that. I think you made that a killer. Case. Was that a killer that, observation, dude? It was, that's, man. I mean, you had me. research specialist. I was, a, yeah, I couldn't stop listening. I, I wanted you to go further. You, you had me. You had me. Keep going, yeah. man. No, no, well, no, you're right. No, 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 you're right. No, you're right. You're right. That that's that's another phenomenon that that happens. And it, I think it. Yeah, let's see. Does it happen in the reverse though? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot I of think, old. I think location, location, location. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Where is this happening at? Yeah. Where's that? Yeah. You see a lot of old older Indian men with white women. Hey, what about and, this one? Oh, okay. What about this one? Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes Indian people will hook up our, our, uh, with a white person and basically step up their Indian game because they're with a white person? Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the fact that they're with the white person makes them like be extra Indian and then like try to compensate for something yeah. they perceive as a you think that's as a, a deficit. Man, I don't know. Look at I think Josh's so. Face. Look at I know, Josh's. yeah, yeah. What's going on with you, Josh? Oh, I just so one time I was hanging out with Buck Morjo and he was making like handicrafts that he would sell at Powwow. And he just turned to me and he had this like wooden arrow. Or no, it was a wooden feather. And he was like, uh, what do you think there, Josh? This look Indian -y enough to you? <laughs> Indian -y enough. Indian -y. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool. That's a cool. I'm gonna buy and, that one. And the fact that I was being asked this, and the fact that he said it that way, just I don't know, man. Like that whole thing, like turning up the Indian, like, what do you what does that even mean? Like <laughs> there again, it's like um are we are uh, is this all just cartoons is culture just cartoons uh, i don't know <laughs> only a white guy would ask that <laughs> are we really a cartoon are we we dude are we even here <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. You know, i don't know man i just i think it's important though for because i would like to think that um there's non-indian people listening to our podcast who I would like to think are are doing some level of research in Indian communities, right? So sure, yeah. probably like listen, because that's kind of the keywords that we use, right? Even though I think that we don't talk up necessarily about research, we just talk about things that it's like our form of research, huh? We're not sitting here going over like methods and stuff, but yeah. It is yeah. influenced by that. But um so Josh, I want you to tell us what you think what's your opinion what what does it mean when somebody says indigenous research oh christ why are you <laughs> asking me this this is well i'm curious dude because the truth is is you're a, you're a learned white folk right oh well and thanks. you have some strong connection to indian country so you probably have a better understanding of most white researchers so what i want the reason i'm asking you is because i want you to tell me because I'm yeah. assuming you're not going to get it right completely. Like it's going to be some, it's going to be good, but it's going to, there's going to be some things me and Shandine can probably critique. But the fact is I want the listener to hear that someone that I respect and I respect the research they've done, that 
they're working at it. And if they don't get it 100%, there's no way in God's green earth that the others can get it. I just don't want I, people need to hear that. They need a sounding board. They need a barometer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and it's not yeah. realistic for the barometer to be Indian people if you're not Indian. Yeah. That's you know important. I mean? Really important. It's yeah. real important. So that's why I want you to say what you think indigenous research is. Set the bar. I wasn't no pressure. trying to like set you up or try yeah. to be funny or anything. I just really curious. Well, we might okay. be funny well, about it. But... Uh, yeah, we're going to do something though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you talking about white people studying Indians for a reason? Or are you talking about people adopting an indigenous method? Everything. Because Every even that question, even what you just asked me back, 90% of people don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, right. Okay. So, so that's exactly what I want you to like. Okay. Okay. So um, let me, let me just uh, clarify audience here. This is for my answer is, is for non-Indian people who are interested in this kind of stuff. All right. What what you probably understand from movies and books and things that you've looked at (laughs) is that Indian (laughs) cultures are pretty different from ours um, (laughs) or from the one that you have in your head currently. And we all have one in our head, right? This is good. So in order to understand that difference, like, huh, how different could it be? And yeah, it's it's so different that things like ideas about who you are, where you come from, what you call the place you live might change after you've looked at it long enough. Once you realize that the place that you live in, it wasn't always Wayne, Pennsylvania in my case, or wasn't always my high school, wasn't always Conestoga High School, and it wasn't always (laughs) here, and it wasn't, it was named after a particular thing. Once you realize all those stories going back, then to be honest intellectually, you'd have to then take into account other people's stories and see how long they were around and see how long they called something what they called it. And to realize that the entire idea of America is a flash in the pan compared to most indigenous understandings is the beginning of an appreciation for how rich that area is. That's the beginning. That's the starting point. I can't tell you how many people are walking around who don't even have the starting point. Mm. So the number of people who need to, who, who have to gain the appreciation in order to just begin is huge. Now, Mm. the number of people who carry on after they've made that appreciation, after they've understood a little bit, they realize that, oh man, there's, there's a whole world here. Or there's a whole multiple worlds because tribes thought of the world differently. And the, each world is as old as another, maybe, or as rich as another because the places are as rich as, as other places. This is when we're getting into like really very deep territory. And those understandings were practical. Practical. 
They were based on people facing real problems and generating real solutions as a result. That to me is what indigenous research is. It's when, when people who are not colonial people solve problems and then they hold on to it. Colonial problem solving tends to look very different. It tends to be um, narrower and it tends to involve a possibility for violence that I think that that is um, there's more caution uh, and there's there's more of a sense of living with or alongside of problems as you develop solutions within indigenous research and within indigenous cultures that a lot of Western and colonial understandings just doesn't, you know, what do you mean I'm going to live with uh, an animal and, and figure out, no, a mouse is a pest. I don't, I don't want to live with it. Um, uh, I don't want to live with a flood. I I, I don't want to live with, you know, I need, I need solutions. I need, I need very practical things to happen now. As a result, my time span shrinks and I become very kind of short-sighted or or maybe, maybe that's not the right word, but I'm very, if I'm in my colonial mindset, I'm very interested in speed, how fast I can get something done. The indigenous research method tends to involve experiments with patients. Um, and with long periods of observation and looking and then and then in based on those that information acting and that has the stuff that works when it comes to that is very um very strong and it gets passed down uh not published in a book and commodified taught to people in in schools as though they can recite it or memorize it or something like that. Instead, it, it gets passed down from family members, cousins, people in your community. So that's a really long answer, but that's what it's <laughs> like for me. That was, that was good. That was good. That's the sound bite. Yeah, sound right. Bite. That's yeah, you could put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it made me think of a lot of things, you know, like, um, but that comes from, and, and in a weird way, you, you've you been in a fairly privileged position because not only have you got to be around any level of like ceremonial life, but you also got to hang around with indigenous researchers, which I don't think even even that those kind of like shaman seeking kind of white folk get to do so like there was a lot of times you hung out with us at the at skc right sean dean and i and 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 you you to hear indigenous people sort out research problems man i don't think 99 percent of non-indian researchers never get to hear that especially those working with tribal people they don't Mm -hmm. they don't they don't get that so like how many times have you sent me an article or you said hey take a look at this or like hey what do you think of this idea and it's like how many people have that yeah that's a weird that's uh that's that's what i'm saying is like so there's the beginning of the appreciation and then there's the work that's Mm -hmm. done past that 
the work mm-hmm. that's done past that really requires a lot of imagination and creativity and work. It's real work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I remember that what you were saying, uh, like how many times did I talk with you guys about something that I came across or whatever? I remember once there was a um, an article uh, in N- NPR had a, a story about some researchers who were observing puffins and they found that um, puffins were dying in this region of Maine because the latitude that they were at was being overcome by fish that were too big for their young to eat. Mm. And this was related to a point that Shandine had made where it's like, when, when you observe things that aren't human react to their environment, they're doing research and you observe them struggling or you observe them in the midst of a problem that was totally objective that had everything to do with how they're going to adapt and respond and live that's worthwhile and so the point was that these guys were basically using the puffins as fish measurement tools but they didn't know it Mm. they didn't know enough to like give credit to the puffin for what it was doing Hmm. Hmm. I think you talked to me about this. It, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. But the point was that like sometimes stuff speaks to you in a way that let's be honest, uh, a lot of western folks uh, or a lot of colonial folks don't have a a, a common reference for or hmm. I mean maybe they do. It's just it's back there, you know. It's it's kind of um hmm. certainly not put to use every day but mm-hmm. hmm. it's um uh, it's not in the foreground let me um let me tell you what i heard and um tell me if i'm so science science in 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 general is a is a is just a basic human it's a human tradition you know mm-hmm. it's not not nothing mysterious there's no crystal rubbing <laughs> you know maybe there is in certain sense but that's it so you said you said the word practical and you yeah, made a comparison trial and error. yeah trial. you made a, you made a comparison of what one group thought was practical what versus what another group thought is was practical and i think that's where there's there's there stands the one of the biggest differences i think across different cultural groups across different communities across different townships is really what's practical for that time period and um you mentioned like flooding you know well we need to come up with a solution for flooding to mitigate damage to infrastructure that becomes a practical endeavor whereas um if you place that same situation on an indigenous community 200 years ago, yeah, the, the idea of practical is going to be far different. Um, but I think in, Indian people today face some of the same challenges that our non-native counterparts face because of the world we live in, this practical, like what's what's practical for our communities right now. That's why you see a lot of research, and of course, in addiction and language revitalization. You don't see a whole lot of research in engineering because it's that's not really the 
I don't know. It's not really a need. You don't see a lot of indigenous research in, in uh, you know, man missions to space or astrophysics or something like that. Cause it's not the, that's not practical. It doesn't, it's not fulfilling a certain need. So yeah, pract practicality in that way is um, I think um, goes across many different uh, groups, depending on what it is. Of course, the angle at which to, 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 to define how and what to, to um, the solution that will be practical might be different. But I think time was another one that you mentioned. Time is also another time. factor. And yeah. I think we've adopted some of the, the traditions of time these days in a certain sense, just because of the way we, we think that we produce knowledge that fulfills that practical piece. I mean, mm -hmm. most Indian people go to college. Most Indian people finish high school and, they go off and are told to get an advanced degree and, and to get a job. And, and so we're living in, in that time. We're, we're living in that same uh, um, time space as well, where we're, we're, we feel those pressures of time, just like you do, I would think, in a way. Sure. But, but um, um, one thing you said that was pretty important is uh, some of these things, especially in an indigenous way, or a native way, they're not reproducible. And that's really, I think that's an important one. You said they're not reproducible in all situations. Yeah. And I, and I think science has come to, to understand that. I mean, that's one of their goals is they want to have reproducible things. You know, they should apply in other situations. That's what makes it really good science is if I come up with a solution here and it works on another continent, that's really good science because it, it, it can be reproduced elsewhere. You know, we can replicate that under certain circumstances, but I think understanding that, um, that idea that um, sometimes we're not going to find that in indigenous research, it's not going to reproduce across communities. Well, there's a science in appreciating uniqueness, which yeah. Western science doesn't have a lot of words for, doesn't really operate that way. Right. You, like there are aspects of me and about you and about identity that are unique. There are aspects of place that are unique. A being able to appreciate those unique things doesn't lead us to generate universals or repeatable results. Right. right. So right. it's a different, that's a different kind of knowing, but it's yeah. there. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree, man. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I think it's that danger. This is the danger that I, I, I'd like to combat against is that natives face a different reality than our non native counterparts. In a way, we do, but oh. in a way, we don't. We're all facing some of the same issues. And, um, I think that some of the pathways to solving those issues might be similar across cultural groups. So okay, I think I, when I said, yeah. I mean, uh, okay, when I use the word world, I'm really talking about yeah. like worldview. That's yeah, um, yeah. And, so and maybe... I wasn't, yeah, and I wasn't saying that you were saying that. I'm just saying one of the things when we, of course, when we have to put a definition to something, when Aaron <laughs> says, boom, I then uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, define indigenous science. Yeah, you're gonna, you have to find some, something to say that's going to be fairly concrete at the time, but knowing that, yeah, I mean, there's some flexibility in it all. So I think that's one of the dangers. Number one is, I don't, I don't know. I wrestle with this because I, it, 
I've, I need that. I need that concrete anchor to grab onto, like something in the short term to say, okay, here's what it is. And I'm going to work off of that. Okay. I think it's totally okay yeah. to have a concrete anchor, but it's, it? it's, it's um, important for you to know that that anchor can change. Yeah. But, yeah. Is this a metaphor? You know, or? No, it's going to change. Like your <laughs> yeah, point yeah. of research or how, or whatever it is you're doing, right. And you're saying, I yeah. need that thing, whatever that concrete thing is. I think we're, a poor researcher will go wrong is they'll never change that. Oh yeah. So that means that everything they're doing is always from that thing, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. And I don't even know like what that can be or whatever. Yeah. Like it's important to like change that like purposely. Yeah. Like even if it even if it's still working for you, like just just do it different, just to do it different, you know? Yeah. Have a different datum. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's a can be a problem across any science tradition, not just mm-hmm. not just Western and indigenous science. Indigenous science can do the same thing. I mean, for for God's sakes, if we don't if we don't have anything new coming in, we're gonna have we're gonna be stuck with the same thing. Well, I think, man, dude, like not to toot our own horn, but I've gotten some cool feedback from people and. I think people see our podcast like that. It's something new. It's different than what they've been being fed the last 20 years, you know, from this field. So I think the idea that if we can get more people to do something similar, create more yeah. perspective and more avenues for people to not be right. Cause that's the yeah. research. The yeah. Research is you're not right or you're not wrong. You're, you're just working it out. Yeah. I think Indian people feel the need. I don't know where it comes from, but they can't be wrong in that space either. So it's yeah. Like, and our That's whole weird, podcast is based on us not knowing what the hell we're talking about. It's yeah. <laughs> good. That's a good start. That's a good anchor. Yeah, it yeah. is. So it's like it is. so. That's why we can bring people on, like 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 Josh here and and round dance singers and different people just because like we're not tied to any one perspective like we call it an indigenous research kind of podcast but really i think it's just just trying to figure it out you know look uh there's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. going back yeah, yeah. to what you were saying shandine about like i don't think we're in different places or whatever Okay, so there's there's a lot of discussion of our differences, Indian, non-Indian, whatever you want to call it. There's not a lot of discussion of like, well, what are the few things that we might have in common that are actually like we we actually do have in common? And uh, okay, so one thing that might be an analog for this way of research or, um, or getting back or not getting back, but moving forward in a, in a better way. Yeah. Maybe one analog is music. Right. Because, okay. I'm listening. because we don't have the luxury of needing right and wrong answers in music. It's very subjective. And yet we can make something that's more musical than not and sort of know it and kind of can't explain why or how. And yet this is a human capacity. So I I think about that and I'm, I'm more hopeful, right? Because Mm. I think people need music. 
in more ways than one. And they search for it and they they um, kind of yearn for it and they want it. Mm-hmm. But the way they go about it, you know, it can be very repetitive and, you know, people can get caught in the same traps and, and the same kind of uh, stuck in a rut, not listening enough. Mm. And so I think that that's a pretty, pretty helpful uh, starting point. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's, that it's the way or whatever, but it's kind of a good, it's a, it's a kind of a good way of thinking about these things because it requires balance and, you know, sensitivity and your whole person. And you can't, you also have to know what you're doing and you have to have good intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's a lot involved yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. And um, so maybe the thing that indigenous research, the the result, maybe the result of indigenous research is knowledge that is akin to music. Hmm. I don't know how, well, better way to describe it than that, but it's like that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more musical it's less additive you know western knowledge is kind of or or um very um what was that noise you just made <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's my language do that again <laughs> yeah you know what i want to see i want to see has there has has we seen this yet is a Native boy band? Oh, have we seen a native boy band? I sure <laughs> haven't. <laughs> we need a native boy band. You guys no. want to try to uh, do a native boy band? No, no. Okay, Josh. I think the I guess it wouldn't be native if Josh was in it though. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Well, it'd be like owning an LLC, Indian LLC, as long as. It- I'm 51% and Josh is the 49. Hey, it, it'll yeah. give you a taste of what spiritual bankruptcy really is. <laughs> no, dude. The in the equivalent of an Indian boy band is singing round dance songs in a stairwell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, like yeah. that's it. That. That For the it. reverb? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Well, you know what? I think we've um we've been on this for we've been at it for two hours, man. Oh yeah, let's yeah. be done, dude. Come on, let's, let's be, be done. done. Well, you know what I want to say um is um just a quick shout out to a sponsor. We got Wild Gallery. Remember Wild Gallery, that dude from down, Texas? Yeah, down in Texas. Texas. He's still supporting the show, man. Cool, man. Thanks, I Wild know. Gallery. Where's he Ray. located? First name is Ray. Ray Donnelly. Ray. Ray Donnelly, Wild Gallery. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Thank you for the support. Yeah. WYLD.gallery. Hit him up. And um thanks, Josh. Partner. Yeah, that was good. Do, man. do you feel do you, do you need like a any services like aftercare or are you all right? Oh yeah, I'm gonna need counseling after this. <laughs> No, nah, you're was, good. This man. was good, man. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's some I think that's some good insight. Uh, especially for some listeners who are maybe looking for some answers. I think that last thing about you know what indigenous research is, I I, I reflect on that as as some some things I would I would also say. 
Maybe we should transcribe what he said. Should we transcribe it? We'll do some t-shirts. Do some t-shirts. Of course, (laughs) black with white lettering. Why are you wearing a t-shirt with a paragraph on it? Well, did you read it? Well, did you you read read it? it? Then you're not woke. (laughs) Anyway. Cut this off then. Let's cut it off. All right. (laughs) We're out, man. Okay. Uh, wait, no, we don't want let we don't want to let Josh have any last words. No. He's too wordy. He talks Ta- way too talky much. Talky white Josh says bye. All right, thank you for tuning in. I want to take some time to uh, thank some of our Patreon sponsors. We've got Emma Lafave, Ryan Swanson, Marzena J, Rachel Holster, Todd Davis. Louise Erdrich, Jason Friage, and Mary Bobbitt. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your continued contribution to help keep the show on the air. And I also want to take time to thank some of our past sponsors. We've had Annie Ost pitching in. Thank you, thank you for your donation. And also, Brian Carpenter, additional thank you for pitching in and helping the show stay on the air.